One-party Democrat rule for the past two years has resulted in a government that is detached from its citizens. It's really run amok. It needs a spanking. The GOP wants to balance things out. They want your vote. They have a plan. Part four of their commitment is next. Hey, welcome back to The Barry Farah Show, where we talk about culture, politics, and leadership from the perspective of freedom principles. I hope you're doing great. Today, we look at the fourth Republican commitment to America, a government that's accountable. Now, in the past two years, the Democrat-controlled federal government has ignored the Constitution. They've disregarded time-tested norms of accountability. And in the House of Representatives, they have reneged on their duty to serve their citizens. Instead of listening to them and serving them, They've operated in a heavy-handed manner, and they view their constituents as beneath them. The Republicans want to put a check on the Democrats' unbridled power. They want a government that's accountable. We'll dive into the fourth and final pillar of the commitment to America today. First, just a real quick note on our podcast. So our tech team took a snapshot of the last 55,000 downloads, and then they populated a spreadsheet that show each download by location. So we gave a shout out to Canada and Western Europe and part of Asia in the past three episodes, but there are many more. And we're in 7,807 cities from around the world. Now, true enough, there was only one download in Quito in the province of Pachinga, in the country Ecuador, but still, really fun for us. I mean, we really had no idea. Anyway, thank you. Please subscribe and share. All right, today, we look at part four of the Republicans' commitment to America. Now, back in 1994, Newt Gingrich proposed a contract with America. Newt was a fiery leader, and he was really a compelling promoter. That contract resulted in the Republicans gaining control of the House for the first time in 40 years. And it put a check on extreme liberalism, and it really ushered in an improved economy. And it really got close. I mean, within one vote of a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. Can you imagine that? Now, they didn't get everything they wanted, but they moved the needle and they stopped the liberal freight train. So here we are again. And now the left is way more extreme than it was back in the early 90s. I mean, back then, every Democratic presidential candidate professed a strong belief in traditional marriage as the only legitimate marriage. In fact, the big hoobaloo before President Clinton got elected in 1992 was the 60-minute suppression of his heterosexual extramarital affairs until after he got elected. Mike Wallace bragged that he got Clinton elected by editing out the part of the interview where the Clintons confessed to Bill's clandestine activities. Anyway, in our new almost-anything-goes culture, the Democrat left is more emboldened than ever, and they've made their vision clear. They do not honor the Constitution, they don't want to be held accountable for results that actually improve lives, and they are tone-deaf. They think they can just run roughshod. Now, the good news is there is a way to keep the country from veering off a cliff. And for the first time in 28 years, the Republicans have improved their resolve, and instead of fighting each other, they've unified behind a written plan. To get that many Republicans to agree to something is honestly no small accomplishment. The end result's probably actually pretty mainstream, and it is. They provide a 
bunch of real proposals to remind the government that it serves us. They call it a government that is accountable. And they pull this off by promulgating constitutional freedoms, government accountability, and respect for American citizens from the people's house. And they attempt to explain it in terms that mean something to the everyday American. In their commitment to America, there are four big ideas. An economy that's strong, a nation that's safe, a future that's built on freedom. We've done those three. And this final pillar, a government that is accountable. The Republicans have several policies and initiatives already teed up. The first is under this banner of a commitment to preserve our constitutional freedoms. Now, the problem with the Democrats is they just don't really believe in constitutional freedoms. They don't like a guiding set of principles that has ultimate authority. I love freedom principles. They're above any one person, uh, above any one strong politician, above any political power. Our constitutional republic was established with the notion that the freedom principles rule. And the Republicans are saying we need to restore those foundational constitutional freedoms. Now, there are all kinds of evidence of a problem with the Democrats. For example, just about every week, you hear of another abuse of power by the FBI. They've been used as a political weapon. And in the Durham trial in mid-October, the FBI confessed to offering a million dollars to an ex-British intelligence officer back in 2016 during the presidential election. Now, you're just finding out about it now, but why was the FBI doing that? Well, they wanted that spy to provide proof that Trump had colluded with the Russians. If he could just provide proof, he'd get a million bucks. Now, they never gave the XMI6 spy the money because he could not provide them with any evidence of his salacious claims. Yet, the agent had a report that was broadcast for years by the mainstream media. It just wasn't true. I mean, love or hate Trump, he wasn't guilty of the Russia collusion claims. Regardless, do we really want the FBI authorized to give a massive amount of money to an ex-British spy to the benefit of one candidate and to the detriment of another? Well, maybe that issue seems just kind of too far away from you and way away from your normal life. Yet, everyday Americans are being harassed and intimidated and even persecuted right now. There are more than a dozen whistleblowers from the FBI who have conveyed their documented concerns. Now, these are career FBI professionals coming to Congress complaining about unconstitutional overreach by the powerful federal agency that they work for. The FBI comes with guns, ballistic gear, and with a lot of agents. Who are the FBI agents arresting? Are they violent, hardened criminals? No, these guys are conservative or pro-life activists. They all say they would have voluntarily submitted to a quiet summons with no resistance whatsoever. So what's the point of surrounding their home in an early morning raid with guns ready? Well, let's look at the recent raids in Tennessee. Christians were protesting in front of an abortion clinic last year. They were blocking the entrance to the abortion clinic. The whole scene is on video. The local police gently removed them, as was their right. They were just sitting at the entrance singing hymns until the police physically moved them out of the way. Now, the local authorities decided to release them, finding them nonviolent and just gentle protesters that wanted to make a point. The police did their job, and that should have been the end of it. 
But a year later, a year later, the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, has come to these people's homes, pounded on their door, outnumbering them with at least 10 or more FBI agents, and then arresting them. What for? Well, there is a law, and it's called the FACE Act, and it says you can't obstruct access to an abortion clinic. And these protesters did break that law. But when you compare these guys who were singing hymns to the 2020 protesters, I mean, your head just spins. I mean, whether you agree with their tactic in front of an abortion clinic or not, the pro-life protesters, they, they have a belief that they are rescuing babies. They didn't inflict any property damage. They were passively sitting in front of the clinic. They didn't bomb a building. They didn't set businesses on fire. And they didn't kill over 70 people. Yet all of those things happened during the 2020 protests. And how come the FBI hasn't gone after those property-damaging, homicidal protesters who broke serious laws and actually hurt people? Is it because they're part of the Black Lives Matter movement? Are those Marxists in a special protected class? I mean, their website says, quote-unquote, we do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folk, especially black trans women. Is that it? I mean, this unequal justice has to stop. These Tennessee pro-lifers are just one of many examples of how the Department of Justice and the FBI has run amok. I got a question for them. Is it really a good use of money for the most powerful police force in the world to chase down these humble Christians who are protesting abortion for one hour? And then why are they waiting a year after the incident to enforce a nonviolent crime? One that the uh, local Tennessee police have already handled. I mean, we have real criminals literally getting away with murder. Isn't the FBI, with all their surveillance capabilities, supposed to be handling serious stuff? Well, I looked into it, and from their August 4th, 2022 report to the Senate, they have eight priorities. Number one, terrorism threats. So that's good. So preventing terrorist attacks still is the FBI's top priority. Number two is cyber risk, preventing cyber criminals from harming Americans. Number three, foreign influence, preventing Russia, China, and Iran from adverse impact. Here, criminal threats, complex white-collar crime, violent crime like gang activities and other well-organized violent criminals, and then the transnational version of organized crime. And when it reaches here, that makes sense. Crimes against children, human trafficking. Now, th this should be number one or two, not number seven, but I'm glad it is a priority. Then finally, you get civil rights. And it's here where we find their legal justification. Right after hate crimes, the FBI believes it's their responsibility to protect the freedom of access to clinic entrances. That needs to be one of the FBI's priorities. Well, maybe that allocation of resources should be reviewed. Seems like an issue the local police can handle just fine. So how do you crack this nut? If the Republicans win the majority in the Congress, they're promising to give a more formal voice to those whistleblowers. Now, these whistleblowers say they have proof that the FBI is not deploying their resources properly and not even according to their own code of conduct, but allocating time and money as a political weapon to intimidate average everyday Americans 
who are conservative or Christians. These FBI agents have a story to tell. If we elect the Republicans, they are promising us that you'll hear that story in a public congressional hearing. The constitutional freedoms they are endeavoring to restore are the First, Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendments. You have a right to speak your mind. You have a right to no unreasonable search or seizure of your stuff. You have a right to no trumped-up charge and no double jeopardy, and the right to know the nature of the charges against you. So the Republicans promise to elevate these freedoms and punish the abusers of it. The next accountability issue is related to tax collection. The Democrats passed a law a couple months ago that is a hodgepodge of clean initiatives and bloat. Included in this law is a way to pay for some of those expenses, and it's by extracting more money out of taxpayers. Now, to pull this off, the law adds 87,000 new IRS agents. Their job is to audit Americans and collect more money. They'll be incentivized by cash receipts and armed. It's a pretty complicated tax code. The wealthy already have tax attorneys who know the code better than the IRS agent ever will. And those guys will fight the IRS tooth and nail. So, who does that leave for the IRS agent to go after? Well, probably the millions of everyday Americans who will just pay whatever the IRS proposes. Most people just want to be done with the harassment. If the Republicans win, they commit to hold hearings on the need for more IRS agents, and they plan to hold the agents accountable to not audit Americans with under $400,000 in income. The Republican representatives are still upset about the government-mandated lockdowns during COVID. They adversely impacted 20 years of student gains in math and reading. So they want to initiate a bill that will prevent that from happening again. During this COVID lockdown period, a number of freedoms were stripped. For example, free speech was trampled. There were tens of thousands of doctors from around the world who had a different view than the CDC. Yet, those opinions were not given a fair hearing. The Republicans are grateful to the pastors who kept their churches open, but they don't believe you should have to be a courageous outlier to practice your faith. The First Amendment clearly states that the government cannot interfere with religious practice or religious assembly. They also believe the Second Amendment should be protected. So, they plan to support these freedoms by either initiating new bills or passing the ones that have already been developed but can't get any traction under Democrat rule. So that is the first initiative of holding the government accountable. Protect our constitutional freedoms. The Bill of Rights in our Constitution are the amplification of the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And government is supposed to defend and protect those rights, not interfere with them. So the second initiative is to hold Washington accountable. You know, there were zero House hearings on the origins of COVID. There were zero House hearings on the Biden administration's Afghanistan failure and zero House hearings on Biden's Justice Department targeting parents as domestic terrorists. You got to be kidding. Or they also targeted pro-life activists. Those were also targeted by the FBI. So what they promised to do is to conduct rigorous oversight to rein in government's abuse of power and corruption. And they've got a list of solid questions. They aren't in the majority, so they can only do so much, but they did just send a demand for answers to the FBI. Now, this is from the Senate. 
and it was related to the Pennsylvania Pastor Hooks incident. He's the, he probably heard about him, but he's the father of seven, the husband, the pro-life activist pastor. He was the guy who in October of 2021 pushed a guy out of the personal space of his then 11-year-old son. Well, the police chief didn't arrest him. They didn't prosecute him. They saw through the pro-abortion activist's frivolous claim. It was trivial. So he was released. The pro-abortion guy that got pushed sued, but he didn't even show up for his own trial. Yet he still wanted to pursue a criminal case against Pastor Hook. Now that case was dismissed April 22nd, 2022. Now you would think... It was all over. But just five days later, on April 27th, Justice Department sends to the pastor a letter informing him of a potential violation of the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act face. So Pastor Hook got his attorney, and his attorney informed the Justice Department multiple times that even though Pastor Hook didn't do anything worthy of the U.S. attorney's time, that if they still wanted to indict Pastor Hook, that he would fully cooperate and receive a summons. So the Justice Department ghosted Pastor Hook's attorney. No response. The next communication was September 23, 2022, when the FBI raided his home at 7 in the morning, terrorizing his seven kids and his wife, coming in with their guns and their ballistic shields. So to do this, the Department of Justice would have had to initiate giving the FBI the warrant for the arrest. The FBI came with 20 agents, surrounded his home, wearing ballistic helmets and holding ballistic shields and their long guns. But after this ridiculously dramatic arrest, the U.S. attorney let him go without a bond. In other words, they didn't think Pastor Hook was any threat to the community. So the Republican Senate has demanded some answers. Why did the Justice Department wait 11 months after the October 2021 incident to indict Pastor Hook? Please provide a list of Justice Department and FBI officials who approved the decision to open a grand jury investigation into Mr. Hook after the state criminal complaint had already been dismissed. Please provide a list of Justice Department and FBI officials who approved the execution of the arrest warrant for Mr. Hook. How many law enforcement personnel did the FBI use in executing the arrest warrant? In light of Mr. Hook's cooperation with federal authorities, what factors led to the Justice Department and the FBI executing an arrest warrant against him instead of using less aggressive tactics like a summons to appear, which he was willing to respond to? So this gives us an idea of where the Senate would head if they also gain control. And if they both, the Senate and the House, have a majority, they can direct traffic on the hearings. To hold hearings for the purpose of revealing overreach That's one of the Congress's most wide-open and explicit authorities. That was granted from the U.S. Constitution. And the House reps promise to the American people to provide real transparency. The notion from the founders was that this agitation could keep the executive branch from becoming a bully. And that is exactly what the Department of Justice and FBI under the executive branch have become right now. I mean, they're against conservatives and Christians. So if they get the majority in the Senate, 
the Republicans do, as well as the House, the Republicans promised to make it harder for the Department of Justice and the FBI to be a torment toward American citizens, and it will make it harder for them to abuse their power. They'll be required to answer those questions in public, and the White House will be compelled to answer for its incompetence on the border and the Afghan debacle and denying federal land leases to energy companies, all these actions which make us less safe. They also promised to take an honest, hard look at Social Security and Medicare. Those programs are on their way to be totally bankrupt, so they promised to put together a plan to strengthen it. The House Republicans are passionate about solving the border issue and the consequent problem of fentanyl. These overdoses are horrendous. They will hold hearings and investigate and propose solutions. They believe it's still important to hold Washington accountable for an understanding of the origins of COVID. I mean, how can you prevent a repeat if you don't properly prosecute the history? They want to hold Washington accountable for their role in cooperating with big tech. I mean, that's censorship. So all in all, to hold Washington accountable, they want to hold hearings, litigate and prosecute abuses, and put in place new laws that protect the American citizen from these types of abuses and freedom infringements from happening in the future. Finally, they promise to restore the people's voice. The House of Representatives is an interesting body in our political system. The the Constitution spends the most time describing it and the machinations of it. It was designed to be a responsive, people-pleasing body. It's only a two-year term. Then you got to get reelected. So you're basically always in a please-the-people campaign mode. And this was by design. It's called the People's House. In theory, it's supposed to be the most customer experience-oriented of any federally elected position. Each district is roughly the same size. You just take the total population of the United States and divide by 435. And right now, it's about 770,000 people per district. So how do you restore the people's voice? For starters, since 80% of the Americans support voter ID requirements, Republicans believe this is a way to reduce confusion and serve the people. They promise to make it easier to increase accountability in the election process through voter ID, accurate voter rolls, and observer access. Secondly, they want to kill the special treatment for members of Congress. They've got to show up to work. But 90% of House Democrats have received a paycheck to vote from home rather than showing up in the rough and tumble of Washington to do their jobs. Republicans think that proxy voting allows for mischief. So as a result, they're going to end that. So combine all this, and they believe this will restore respect for the American citizen bestowed by the people's house. So there you have it, the fourth and final commitment, hold government accountable. Now, previously, we had looked at the Republican commitment to build an economy that's strong, into an America that's safe, into an American future that's based on freedom. Those are four pretty good commitments. No one believes they'll get everything done that they propose. But if you believe they're sincere, this final commitment alone would keep things in the open, and reduce the chance of abuse, preserving constitutional freedoms, imposing some accountability on Washington, and restoring respect for the American citizen by killing special treatment for Congress is a pretty good start at government accountability. Yet the Democrats say if they win in November, they have a vision too. And their vision is to continue to terrorize law-abiding American citizens who have conservative or Christian views. They are intent on ignoring the border, denying the fentanyl problem, and avoiding any sunlight on the consequences of their actions. They are happy 
to work away from the accountability of face-to-face debate and avoid the heavy lifting that's required to do their jobs. So, these government accountability initiatives proposed by the Republicans really do matter. I mean, if they gain control of just the House, a Republican Congress can still investigate any potential misdeeds while they are promoting their legislation. And even if Biden vetoes everything, their investigative power will put a check on the Democrats' current one-party rule. If Republicans gain just one Senate seat, they will control judicial nominations and policy debates for Biden's last two years. This would totally shift the balance of power. So whether you're a Democrat, independent, or Republican, there's really just one responsible way to vote this fall. Regardless of your party affiliation, the USA will do better with a vote in support of the commitment to America. It'll help expose abuse. It'll insert some light and make government more accountable. And that is a good thing to your freedom. Hi, I'm David Farah. Thank you for listening to my dad's podcast, The Barry Farah Show, Culture Shift. Click subscribe now to be sure you don't miss an episode. Share this podcast with your friends on social media and give The Barry Farah Show your five-star rating. See you next time.